Today's episode has been brought to you by Hinge Records. Is your record company taking all your money? Spending it on strippers and beer? Are you tired of chasing down Bobby Big Time through dark alleyways and grimy EDM after-hour nightclubs? Where everyone is bugged out like bats in a cave, high on Red Bulls, and you're just trying to get your name heard? Come, open the doors to your success at Hinge Records. Hinge will provide supplementary financial support to Canadian artists with a passion for music. Hinge Records, opening the doors to your success. Hey, and welcome to the first real episode of A Word with Van Bird. I'm your host, Devin Van Bird. We are kicking things off right with our first episode, uh, bringing to you my conversation with Ivory Hour's frontman, Luke Rose. Luke and I met at a uh, coffee shop downtown Toronto on Bloor. You hear some chattering in the background, or even me slurping on a coffee. That's just the lovely sounds of Future Bistro and the warm chatter of local Torontonians. As Luke and I get into some great conversation about porno theaters, songwriting, and studio recording. So we are going to jump right into it, but first, here's a clip from a song off their latest album. It's called Dream Worlds. think about that i would say like when things really started kicking off for us was 2015 um we had put out uh an album called morning light and a song off of that called war paint um it got picked up by the edge as part of their radio contest and um we won a bunch of money that year actually and were able to kind of invest into our career quite a bit with some touring and stuff like that and uh yeah since then it's been pretty nice good guys man Yes, uh, you guys are from London, based. Yes, I guess. You I formed, was born in Saskatchewan, in grew up like just outside of of London in a small town called Mount Bridges, where my yeah. parents. Yeah, I know Mount Bridges. Live, and uh, spent some time in Vancouver with this band, but also um, in London, and now here we are in Toronto. Yeah, so cool. Uh, did you move to Toronto for like music reasons? Um, a bit of a combination. Part of it is like to be closer to the industry. Part of it is just like 
um, it's an inspiring place and also just like I find it very good for me to move around every little bit you're a nomad kinda, <laughs> yeah a little bit um, every new city kind of inspires you in different ways and just like Toronto's, Toronto's a cool city yeah it is neat like, I lived here for a year and uh, it's got a good music scene for sure it's always something always going on. I found you could go out like seven days a week and never see the same person twice. <laughs> yeah, it's Com- crazy coming from way. a place like London, it was a uh, it's a lot smaller, obviously. Yeah, variety and just like enough weird people to support some kind of I don't know interesting creative um, opportunities. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Plus, there's more money in the bigger city. <laughs> yeah. For um, sure. I'm curious. You spent some time in Van. Uh, was it Vancouver? Yeah, it was Vancouver. Uh, would you say, like, supportively um, in the industry? Do, do you find BC is more supportive than Ontario? Or do you think Ontario, is there... I don't think I could quantitatively say that. I think um, when I was there, I was m- much less mature about how um, I conducted, the, like, the business um, part of the band. I was very much kind of developing my writing skill and stuff there and just, like enjoying the city more than really digging into like what was available in terms of public funding and that kind of thing. I know like I think it's BC Music Fund or something like that. It was very um, uh, it's good for a lot of artists there and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that was my impression about BC, Vancouver area. It's just like um, they invest a lot in the music. Yeah, it seems like that. They invest a lot in the, in the film uh, industry there as well and they've got a good set of venues in in Vancouver as well. It's like slight what I notice from touring there in recent Everybody's times got a is band that uh, but they do but a lot of them have actually transitioned into like having bands early and then DJs in the night they like yep. kind of double dip on it because they're you know have a hard time making as much money off of shows which isn't you know I don't know isn't kind of as nice as like a venue with, with like the horseshoe where it's like there's a show and then you know you can kind of hang out there till like yeah. two in the morning after your show or something like that. There it's like, boom, curfew, throw you out the door. Or, I mean, or you can stay and listen to a DJ. But I can actually relate to that. I uh, played a, I flew out to Vancouver a year and a bit ago for a show at the Roxy. Yeah. And it, it was exactly that. I was the first act of the night. Uh, barely anybody came out, but the, the following band had quite the following, the following band. It's, English language, eh? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I was on at, like, 7, and then it slowly, like, built up um, t- for my buddy's band to play, and then, they yeah, they just had, like, a... It wasn't even a DJ. It was just, like, a house band came in and just started jamming out. Yeah. And by the end of the night, like, the place was packed, and they just, like... But the house band, you know, they're playing playing popular music and stuff. Yeah, covers and that kind of thing, yeah. too. I mean, that's, like, nice in some ways, too, but... Yeah, I don't know. It puts, like, a lot of pressure on the original music. Um, and I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but I know that these venues have to make money to stay alive, and so if that's what they have to do, this. Oh, yeah, whatever. Do. We don't want to be bashful on the, the venues themselves. Was there uh, do you ever... I was going to ask you, like, where's... Uh, it seems rude to ask, but I'm really curious... Because you're in this band, and you guys, you're obviously making some sort of revenue off of it. Where's the majority of the income for you? Like, how do you pay rent at the end of the day? Do you have a day job? Um, I don't right now. Um, 
income like as a band is pretty diverse I would say some of it comes from streaming online sales some of it comes from shows some of it comes from royalties um, some so comes it's spread from out pretty far then yeah well there's just in the modern um, music industry it's like there are a lot of like a lot of different places to make money and they kind of you need to do that to, um, to add up to something real but yeah, and some of that is like uh, commercial placements and that kind of thing, as well. So you got your songs on commercials. Uh, yeah, that's pretty cool. We have had a bit of luck with that, is which it is always nice. Online commercials or TV? The biggest one we've done was uh, our tune called "Dreamer" was on a on a Coke commercial that played in theaters, TV, and where else was that? Online, I think, on some nice some things as well. Yeah. yeah. Was that out of Toronto? The commercial. So um, no, they do a lot I of believe so. It's out of a, a placement firm here, yeah. Nice. Decent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see your music being featured on a... You got some feel-good tunes. Yeah. I mean, the more of those you can get, the better. I feel like people used to be worried about selling out quite a bit and that kind of thing. But now, you know, money's pretty thin in terms of um, record sales and that kind of thing. So people are a lot more understanding about that. Well, like, what do you... What do you prefer to write you know as an artist what's your like what's your favorite song to write like the super sad depressing song or like the feel good or is it like every song's different for you yeah I think it is different I think this the sad like or melancholic stuff seems to come to me fairly easily I think um but it's um for me like having played live and like seeing how certain songs kind of land um I have a lot of fun writing upbeat music as well, just like knowing how much yeah. fun it's going to be to play live. For sure. Yeah. You can have like the happiest sounding song with the with the saddest lyrics too, if you really wanted. Yeah. Or vice so versa, I do, right? That's I a really good way to I go do that about. just to uh, <laughs> uh, get a little bit of both worlds in there for sure. Have a, yeah, the dichotomy of the two. Just mm-hmm. kind of, yeah, whatever. Yeah, music's such a weird, it's a strange art form. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, like, there's, like, music, with uh, instrumental music. I mean, you would have, uh, like, uh, the classical era of, of big bands playing, um, and they would have, you know, um, a whole orchestra uh, um, playing, a, playing a song, and then you could have also opera, and there's, like, all these people involved to play music and have an opera, and, it, it, you know, that tied into, like, uh, theater. But modern music seems to be a lot of... You know, it's, it's, it's writing lyrics and, and, and hooks and, and stuff. But, you know, we have the opportunity to, like, tell stories at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, like, as a musician and a, you're a songwriter, as a songwriter, you got to be a lyric writer specifically. you got to be a poet as well as a, a musician. Yeah, so I like that I mean. balance. I guess it's kind of interesting. I haven't thought about that for a little while, too. But, yeah. You know, popular music used to be instrumental music, um, which is kind of an interesting thing. I like the marriage of the two. I like, you know, I feel like um, there's still a lot of that, that like kind of classical music, I think, mentality and actually like in in metal, I think now too. Yeah, you got Intervals Um, does all instrumental, but... Yeah, there's lots of that stuff. And they kind of carry that tradition of sort of truly trying to like create a feeling with the music, whereas for me... I. You know, I think it's interesting to be able to create a feeling with the music and then also 
a, a more specific thought with the words. I think that's neat. More specific? Sorry, can you like give me an example, maybe? Um, well, like you were saying earlier, how you can kind of marry maybe a dark, like a dark lyric to a to a happy sounding song. I yeah, think yeah. You you know, those technically are kind of uh, well, maybe not wrong, but they're like they fight each other in that like classic sense. But yeah, I guess so. I, I think that's interesting, and also like you can say even you're doing something more straightforward and creating sort of a sad sounding thing, but a lyric can give you more depth to that by describing why you're sad or what what that thing is or maybe put um more i don't know create some kind of like bittersweetness to that but some people are so good at you know writing melodies that it's kind of implied in the music which yeah is maybe even a more special skill i don't know yeah it gives like um conveys like emotions more i find like you know, they call, like, like a heavenly seventh, for example. It's like, they call it that for a specific reason. It's like, has that feeling to it. And I like that. I like to think of, like, chords and notes as, like, colors and painting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wish that I could do that. Like, <laughs> I wish I was hard. a I mean, synesthete like or whatever. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty Were you ever, fancy. like, uh, were you ever more into metal? Um, I was when I was first learning guitar. Yeah. I, like, um, really was into, like, technical kind of guitar playing and listened to some Opeth and some, uh, what else was in that mix? It's just that where, like, that's the venue where a lot of people can, like, really let loose on an instrument. And yeah, for sure. not thought of as overplaying, I guess. So um, yep. I grew out of it a little bit, but I still really appreciate that, like, kind of dedication to mastering an instrument yeah you probably learned a lot from that too yeah so the sure. technicality of it, it's pretty and just the mentality intense. of like wanting to master your instrument i think in um yeah i th- just think that's a good attitude to have even if you're not playing to the up- utmost of your ability at all times just to like have that understanding of the instrument is really interesting yeah absolutely well you see so many metal bands I mean especially with today's technology like way overproduce on an album and then when it comes to live shows like they try their best but they can't always like capture it but the energy's always there I think that's like the important part yeah I guess I mean the best metal bands can and like a lot of them are I don't know like um, oh what is that band with the it's like Cyanide Jesus Cyanide Jesus? No, what is that song called? But they like write they write the songs like with a computer first and then try and do the They digitally program it first? Yeah, they like program like it and then learn to play these like insane time signatures and they can't do it. Like that's, I don't know, that's kind of an interesting way of marrying like that technology with the You can literally guitar. punch in the like guitar what's it guitar that ultimate guitar offered that program. You could download it. And it, and it gives you the tablature, and you can literally just punch in the uh, like the, the the numbers and the rhythms, and then it'll like play it for you. And then you can slow it down, speed it up. Oh, the like tablature software. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh, the band's called Meshuga. Meshuga. That's the one that I was thinking of. They're amazing. Yeah, they're insane. And so like they can they can do that stuff, which is uh, pretty incredible. That's and tr- I find like some I don't I'm not an expert about their about their music, but I think that's neat to like, um, 
get into rhythms like that that are like you, you probably wouldn't have even thought of that if you were just trying to write it off of an instrument like yeah, Very kind of strange. need the computer so they, to get there. They actually do on the later albums, at least. I mean, they're f they've been around since like the eighties. You you've read somewhere that they actually program at first. I think so. Yeah, like to write a lot just of the like songs, just down, write like probably. the really really weird signatures, and then learn how to play to them with like. Because I found a lot of the gu guitar lines are s aren't like melodically complex because the the, the rhythm, rhythm is already so complex that yeah. You know, I always imagine like droning on a note. I always imagine with Sugar, like the drummer just like writes out a bunch of crazy ass math equations and then <laughs> and then he sits down with the other guys and he's like, All right, so you're gonna chug on on six point five and you're gonna you know Yeah. Let's always imagine it. Have you seen them live? I have not. I would love to see that band though. I caught them in the Toronto here in Toronto at the what's it called? Sound Academy, the docks okay. or whatever. It was unreal. I uh, saw a fight. I saw a pair of tits, and actually, I met Aaron Marshall there that night from Intervals. Oh, okay. I tried to get him to punch me in the face, but he wouldn't do it. Why would you want him to punch you in the face? Because the way I saw it, it was going to be the most metal story that would have ever happened is being punched in the face by Aaron Marshall at a Mashuga concert. Okay. But he was too nice of a guy to actually do it. Yeah. Also, <laughs> and he looked at me like I was insane. Be risking his fingers, so that's. Uh, you oh, know. true. He could have like, he could have just given me like a little light one, you know. I guess, but then your story <laughs> would be he lightly tapped me <laughs> on the face. Yeah, but I he didn't want to risk breaking his fingers. I was pretty drunk at the time, and uh, looking back, it was he's probably really freaked out by the whole ordeal. But I was pretty young, man. I was like a teenager still. <laughs> true. I was just being dumb. It would have been a sick story. I guess it's still a pretty good story. I met Aaron Marshall at at a Meshuggah concert. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty chill guy. Okay, what else? You got some touring coming up? Uh, yeah, we're looking uh, to go. Uh, in May, we're going to announce some shows here. Just throughout Ontario, you want to try out a new format of our live show. Um, and so that should be pretty fun. New format? How so? Um, just, like, technically how we're um, organizing our set and stuff like that. I'm hoping it will allow me to play more of a kind of traditional frontman um, role, be able to move around stage like that and focus a little bit more on singing instead of like, because I'm playing so kind far of you've complex been singing guitar and playing parts at the same Yeah, there's, a, you know, I'm doing that. And then also I've used quite a bit of effects changes and stuff like that, was a, which is a lot to manage you at know. your feet. Um, so trying yeah, to get true. rid of that kind of distraction because that just gets in the way of performing sometimes. Yeah, when you got all these freaking pedals in front of you. Do you mm -hmm. got pedals for both guitar and voice? Um, no, no, just for guitar. And I've kind of simplified that by using a, a digital amp called a Kemper, which has made the job a little bit easier. But still, it's just like when you got to look down at your feet, even if it's briefly like in, for changes of a song, it, it just kind of like breaks the fluidity of just like performing for people yeah well you're already playing uh whatever on your fingers and then you gotta think of the next verse that you're singing like that's a challenge in itself and then i don't even how many pedals do you even have well with the digital thing they're all internal so thankfully it's just one one foot pedal but i used to run a really really big board and then it was a lot to manage i can i can imagine yeah yeah so what are you doing to 
change up your format? Like, are you going to put the guitar down a bit more? A um, little bit of that. A little bit of, like, we're going to, I think, sync the show to a tempo. Um, so to your a tempo drummer track. has, like, a MIDI? Yeah, so we'll all have, like... Uh, or you all have it. We'll, we'll all have a click in some form. And just that, like, um, opens a lot of opportunities to, like, sync up lights to a show and oh, to add all these, like, really interesting production elements that are pretty hard to do otherwise. So yeah. um, it will probably take a little bit of adapting, but it's just, like, really neat how scalable it becomes. Is that, like, going to help take you guys, like, to the next level? I mean, one would hope. But it's a bigger stages? Yeah, well, it prepares you for those scenarios where, again, like, if you have the for me, the uh, in terms of our live show, it's, you know, when we have the the money for it i love the idea of, of of designing you know light shows designing sets and stuff for the the thing to be come an entire production you think of bands like muse i would say is like a really good example of that yeah. where um a lot of thought goes goes into that beyond the music and stuff that, so like, like that tool it's, as well yeah the light show and the, the background yeah the it's visuals like and all that kind of stuff. instead of just music for sure yeah what do you guys got so far to you, do you, are you working on a light show? Um, no, like not at the at or the moment. That's just depending on. Uh, I guess that depends on the venue, right? It does, and then I might try and incorporate something like simple that is um, synced to tempo, even just um, a little bit to kind of augment the lights at a lot of places. But yeah, I mean, a lot of smaller clubs aren't really set up for for it, and it's just really expensive on our on our part like it's a thing yeah, that true. we'll look to as we uh move along here might as well while you're on the topic of tours we might as well cover the juno fest yeah just in a couple of weeks we're gonna head to vancouver again which should be fun so for that's where juno fest we're gonna play at the fox cabaret on the friday i think it is which yeah we played there i think a couple tours ago it's like um a uh redesign what used to be uh, like a porno theater apparently a porno theater yeah really yeah interesting were they a shot uh pornography didn't shoot there no it was like a theater where people would go and watch dirty flicks i'm pretty sure oh <laughs> okay yeah i was imagining a studio I <laughs> yeah no That's a theater yeah before the internet you actually had to go <laughs> watch it at a theater or buy a, I guess you'd buy a VHS too. That's the weirdest thing. If that existed today, how many people do you think would? There's got to be at least one kicking around in, in, in one of these cities. They exist somewhere, I'm sure. It's not a place that I would <laughs> frequent <laughs> without wearing some kind of hazmat suit. But I'd go full trench coat and, um, yeah, no, I'm just trying to paint a picture in my head. God, that's you cool though. Connect. So they turned it into a venue. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure of the veracity of that history, but that is what I've heard. Can you go into detail about Juno Fest? Like, uh, the Junos are being, are they being hosted there in Vancouver? Yeah. This year? They're in Vancouver this year. So, Juno Fest is kind of a multi venue festival that surrounds the, um, the Juno activities, which is cool. So, there's like every venue in the city will pretty much have shows every night that weekend. It's kick ass. Yeah, should be neat. And then that's coming to London next year, right? So that yeah. should be pretty cool. That'll be cool. Are you guys going to get in on that some one way or another? Hopefully in some capacity. We'll see if we can uh, be cool. generate some more buzz this year. Generate some more buzz? Maybe get a 
Actually, you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. Nomination, maybe? We'll see. Don't, don't jinx <laughs> I don't want to jinx it. That's no, we'll I'm. see. Oh, uh, shit. Genos are a weird thing. Do you find when you get down and you're like writing and recording, do you, f- do you consider what um, institutions like CBC are going to want to hear? Do you consider that? Like, do you? I do, but I try not to think about it too much because you usually sabotage the process. But yeah, there. I mean, there's a very much a format to what works at radio. It's like, is there like an in- industry standard as far as like recording goes? Like, well, it, I guess in terms of like the quality of the product, yes. But in terms of like how, um, like format, like what what the format of the song is and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's at the same time, it has a very like defined format and then also at the same time like if you try and follow that format it'll sound derivative and it won't do well so there has to be some kind of something extremely unique about the song um so yeah i don't know if you focus more on that than you do on just create a process trying to express yourself I, i think it will take away from it in the end yeah I could see that for sure. I don't know, it's weird. You definitely don't want to like, you don't want to cater your sound or whatever too much to suit somebody else, right? Because that's robbing, it's robbing the music from what it actually is meant to be, right? It's it's supposed to be like like a raw sort of art form where you're putting yourself like, you know, I guess a way to put it, you're like, getting naked for people like emotionally or whatever and, it, and, and if you cater too much to like a, a radio station or something you're gonna you know you're not gonna be you're not gonna be coming from the heart so to speak yeah and people see through it is the thing like listeners are are I think always more intelligent than we like to think they are they can tell when you're being inauthentic in a lot of ways yeah um, for sure and, yeah, they'll sniff you out, I think. <laughs> yeah. I guess, like, do you think there's, like, an actual... There's a f- totally a formula to, like, popular music. Um, if you look at... Jeez, um, I don't want to be bashful towards anybody, but maybe, like, a, like a Justin Bieber type who's coming out with these, like, you know, a new love song or something, or um, it's another band... I don't want to bring. I don't want to drop any names. I don't know. Like, do you think there's like a formula to certain? There isn't. I don't. I really. There isn't. Isn't like I was saying. There are like production techniques that will sort of get you ninety percent of the way there, and then the rest of it, there, there truly has to be something. Well, something special, unique about it, and some of that is tricks in the songwriting. Like, you know, when you're talking about a Justin Bieber, like you're when you're looking at that body of songs, you're looking at some of the greatest songwriters like in the world right now. And maybe like uh, that all that in and of itself kind of, um, it is a subjective thing. They're writing like incredibly catchy songs. Yeah. What do you, well, what do you think separates like the catchy song from the mediocre? I don't know. Or the not catchy? Is it just like repetition? Like, I know in the 80s they discovered that if you just repeat the same <laughs> chorus like 20 times, it's going to sell because it's in people's heads and it's stuck. 
Yeah, I don't know. That's the like exciting part about songwriting is you don't know what is going to what works and what, what is going to stick. But um, yeah, that's. I mean, the role of a good producer mentality is to is to hear those things and kind of focus and hone in on the the parts that um, that are really going to connect with people. But it's hard to just like. I don't think you can just like. I don't know. Uh, I don't think you can plan on a, a lot of that stuff. You, w- once it exists, you can recognize it and um, and enhance it with production techniques. But in terms of like, that's I, I think uh, you know, pop music is sold short in that way a lot because you know, um, I don't know. People consider it to be derivative, but like at the at the core of each of those songs, yeah. somebody has like well, the greatest expressed themselves. Producers in the world are working on those pop songs. It's so like production value is like through the roof. Yeah, not just producers, but there'll be top to liners and like um, you know, there's some people who's like their job is just to go in a vocal booth and just like just like. Um, yell essentially over top of, of beats and like just in that process they'll there will uh, some little line or some little melody will come out and they'll develop a song just off of that thing um you know and with all the high-powered computers and and technology that we have like they still can't get a robot to do that so it's true yeah you know that human element is still there even though they beat a lot of it out by using quantization and shit and just made me think of something um, I've been play- I'm a, you know, we discussed before. Like I'm a musician too. I've done shows and I've done studio stuff. W- uh, the difference between like performing live um, and stepping into a studio, especially like as a singer, do you find? Stu- for me, I find studio work is just so nerve-wracking and difficult because it's so just like it's just you you don't have the added effect of like a crowd and um, like amps around you to like bring your voice up you know it's not like you're not feeling those vibrations in your chest you know do you find it harder to sing in a studio than you would in a live show i would say yeah for sure because there's so much focus on you and you don't when you're playing live you're not thinking about that there's like a a bunch of external stimuli that like kind of keeps you from focusing so much on your on yourself and that in like in singing the more you think about singing the worse the worse you are so um you know that's why a lot of people put um a good amount of effort into like trying to make vocalists feel comfortable in the studio and like to gets down to like temperature the lighting and all this kind of stuff for um the temperature yeah, it does, and it seems like seems ridiculous, but like you will get an entirely different performance out of somebody by making sure they're comfortable. It's trick taken me a little while to understand that too, and to understand that I need that in my own way as well when I'm singing. It's complex um, because yeah, I've like I become very accustomed to singing in my own environment, doing demos and stuff like that. Do you have that. certain like ritual that you like to like rituals that you'll do before? Um, either a show or before you go into a studio, is there anything like specific that you do to like get yourself into that mindset or Nothing lack like thereof mindset? or weird. I just like I do vocal exercises now. To, yeah. Um, 
just to limber up the voice and make sure I've got access to the notes that I want. And um, other than that, you yeah. don't have like a pair of lucky underwear socks. No, no, nothing. <laughs> Studios I just find are they're fun, but as a singer, it can be really hard. Yeah, it's just weird. a lot That's of pressure. Weird. The permanence of it all, too, right? You want to capture that perfect take. Yeah, I think, like, and that's what you have to spend time, like, trying to get out of that. And it is really difficult, too, because, you, you know, it's high pressure. That's, like, how people are going to listen to the song for the rest of time is, like, on how you, on the vocal takes that you put down right there. So it's it is like a lot of It's like you don't want it to be robotic, but... but yeah. Yeah, and you, you want it to be, like, natural. You kill the mood of it very by, like, focusing on that stuff, too. So it does, you know, take some effort to get out of of mm-hmm. that mindset. Yeah, like you're saying, you got the less you think, the better, or the less you think about it, the better you, you you're gonna sing. Yeah, and ultimately, it, like it's perfection is not necessarily the goal in a lot of circumstances. I mean, I find when I get in the studio, I'm like, I will often be thinking about hitting notes more than I am about, you know hitting emotional kind of notes if you will like yeah. making sure that the performance is carrying the right kind of feeling because like the notes one thing but like their timbre of your voice too is like conveying those emotions right yeah and just like when you are kind of freely expressing um yourself there are some like beautiful idiosyncrasies that come out in your voice yeah no doubt that don't when you're just so focused on hitting notes that you're just like almost too careful um, and, uh, and you gotta, like, it sounds like restrained. Yeah. M- and maybe people wouldn't be able to say that particularly, but I think they can, can feel it in the end. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know where I was going to go from no, there. No, it's all good, man. That's like uh, singing in general is like a deeply psychological thing. Yeah, and definitely. I think I've found over time that production in general is way more psychological than I ever really... I didn't really even, I guess, know what it meant to be a producer originally. I think you look at it and you're like, oh, it's a guy who's at the faders and he's twisting some knobs and he's telling people to play certain things and that kind of thing. But um, it is like, it's a deeply psychological job where you, yeah. you're trying to make people f- feel comfortable enough to um, express really genuine emotions and and put things to tape that are that are truly special. And that's that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, do you do a lot of the production or all of it? Um, I co-produce Solar Stuff. Uh, the last two records have been done with Dan Broadbeck. He's from London as well. Right on, cool. Um, and he's super fun to work with. And it's like, exa- you know, like he can really keep a, a session fun. So even if you're like with us, we're usually moving pretty quickly. We don't have huge budgets for these songs. So we need to get a lot done in a short amount of time. And he like keeps the mood light and that, you know. Keeps the pressure off. Yeah, it keeps it like people don't feel like they're working and, and when you're having fun, like it's all that much easier. So You guys record in London? Um, some of the stuff is done in London on the last record. The drums were done here at Noble Street. Uh, we've done some work at Emac quite a bit in the past as well. Cool. Yeah. I haven't made it over to Emac yet, but I like live right across the street. I feel like i got to check it out soon. Yeah, man. Um, I was thinking about studio. doing some interviews there. Or just like at least interview... One of the dudes. Maybe I'll interview your producer. Your, what was his name? Can try and get a hold of Dan or Matt Grady is the yeah. head engineer. Good to talk Mac. to those guys. Yeah. All right, cool. I think, uh, is there anything else you wanted to cover? That's all I got, man. I Thanks got enough from you now that, that I can work with. Cool. 
Yeah, that's cool. It's a nice conversation. Is there uh, this is obviously going to be permanent for a while. Like we're going to have this interview or whatever you want to call it. This podcast is just going to be on record for as long as uh, we're alive. As long probably. as the internet is there any, exists. Uh, do you want to plug any information that somebody that maybe hasn't heard of Ivory Hours can? No, hop on Spotify, check out the music. Hopefully you enjoy it. We're going to put out some new music soon as well. But um, Any shows coming up? Yeah, and some shows in May. So if you're in Ontario listening to this, keep your eyes on our site and come out and say hi. Cool. All right, Luke, thanks so much. Cheers, man. Have a good one. See you as well. Peace. Old song swimming in my ears, shiver, running down my spine, feel my body disappear. Got a word that's abused, too tired from overuse. The divine is inside of me, waiting in the wings to be woken up from the